Are you trying to figure out how your company will journey and profit from consumers across connected devices? Come to the Multiscreen Summit in New York on June 11th and 12th and learn how from over 50 speakers. Use coupon code LBMA025 for your 25% discount now at www.thescreensummit.com. Build compelling real-time apps quickly and scale them globally with the PubNub real-time network. Only PubNub delivers the core building blocks needed for any real-time application. Find out for yourself by signing up for free today. Visit PubNub.com. Welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing, the most trusted podcast dedicated to the new business of location. and welcome to This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Today is May 17th, 2013. This is episode number 130, coming at you live. My name is Rob Woodbridge from Untether.tv, located in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Joining me, as always, from Toronto, Maple Leaf Country. Oh. <laughs> Asif Khan from the Location-Based Marketing Association. Yes, home of the shameful leaves. No earthquake here oh, today yes. uh, like you had in, in Ottawa, Rob. But uh, yeah, hey, you know, thing, things are, can only go up from here, though, in Toronto sports scene. So there we you, go. You have to hit, scrape the bottom of the barrel before <laughs> things look better. And, it, uh, you know, at least you have the Blue Jays who are scraping the bottom yes. of the barrel, right? Uh, well, you know, they just swept the uh, World Series champions, yes. so we're okay. You're doing, you're doing, you're doing quite fine. You got to cling to something. Well, They're going the right direction. Uh, you know, Asif, I know we said we wouldn't mention it, but it was, uh, it was even tough as a uh, as an Ottawa Senator fan to watch that uh, debacle on ice. Um, so my condolences to all of Toronto. Um, uh, there's not much you can say other than, oh my god, oh my god, yes, oh my god. So let's move on. Uh, this is, yeah, of course, the place where you come to find out a little bit of commentary on some of the biggest stories, the most unique stories, some great resources, and a great guest, obviously, uh, from the past week, the week that was in the Location-Based Marketing Association uh, and, of obviously, the industry. And, um, you know, we, we have our six stories. We have uh, a great guest in Gary Schwartz to talk about. Uh, he's going to be talking about his event that's coming up, the event that you're helping him uh, coordinate, uh, the Multiscreen Summit in, in uh, New York coming up in June. And then we've got a great resource of the week. It's a little bit of a video uh, featuring the future of Google Glass, an interpretation from a Toronto company about what they think that the future of Google Glass will be. And, of course, our six stories. It's going to be a good, 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 good show. But before we do that, let's talk about a few announcements that are we're going to be uh, clogging up the airways with right right about now. Um, the first is obviously this event that uh, you are participating in very actively with uh, Gary Schwartz, the Multiscreen Summit in uh, in in New York in June, right? Yeah, uh, that's June 11th and 12th. Uh, uh, fantastic lineup of speakers. It's a two, obviously a two day event, uh, looking at uh, mobile gaming, entertainment, television kind of the mashup of all, all that kind of stuff and, and really multi-screen in the sense that we're looking at the flow of you know how we as consumers engage with screens from you know kind of when we wake up in the morning you know with the tablet in our beds to we flip on the TV to, to check the news while we're getting ready for work to you know we get into our car and there's the the navigation screen to you know there's you know the desktop at work you know and, and kind of this transition from screen to screen. Um, and so, so, you know, and how all the media and brands and, and uh, entertainment, uh, you know, fits into all of that. That's really what we're, we're thinking about. And, and location is central to that because, you know, as we move from screen to screen, we're changing our location, uh, you know, each time. So uh, that's kind of, you know, how, how we're approaching this, this event. So it should be a good event. Um, the URL for that is thescreensummit.com. Um, and you know, there's plenty of information there on during this podcast, on our website, and everywhere else out there you can find it. Um, so, yeah, I encourage you to sign up for that. Um, and and just before we leave that uh, sort of the new event subject, one other event, quick little plug on that. Even sooner than that, uh, this is next week uh, on the 23rd in New York as well uh, is the Geo Web Summit, and uh, this is a uh, pure location geo. Uh, one day, or not even one day, one evening conference. Uh, it's a it's a nighttime conference. Uh, fantastic lineup of speakers. Again, that information's under the events page at the LBMA site, and we encourage you to do it. Check it out. 
And one note about the uh, multi-screen summit. If you use the discount code CAPITAL, all caps, LBMA025, you'll get a 25% discount on the rate. LBMA025, you get a 25% discount. So go to uh, multi the, thescreensummit.com and take a look there. It looks like it's a great event. And uh, congratulations. Uh, you know, I know what it's like to put on an event. It is a shitty thing to put on an event. It is not fun. It, it, it's not it fun. It's hard. It is hard. So uh, anything that we can do as a community around this uh, podcast to uh, support this is much appreciated. And I know that Gary and Asif would appreciate that as well. I hate you know, events. <laughs> I may have thrown up in my mouth a little bit there just thinking about events. There yeah. you go. So, um see if you can see if you can get there yeah there's always a great reason to go to new york and uh, you don't need a reason and this is another one uh you know just show up please there you um go. wanted to uh bring uh, draw attention we always we always ask for a little bit of feedback or lots of feedback from you who are listening and uh certainly you know there's two types of feedback one i get it all the time like i listen to the show all the time rob i love it i love the fact that you talk about it i love the fact that you're bringing awareness to this industry and i learn every i learn something from the show which is which is pretty amazing uh if you ask me um, because we're participating in the show and, and uh, you know, we're just talking our minds. But, you know, so there's that kind of feedback. And the second kind of feedback is, is you know, are the, are the companies that we talk about. And sometimes it's good feedback. Sometimes it's not so good feedback. But we welcome that. We want you to defend. If we've got something wrong, we want you to defend it. We want you to tell us. We, we want you to write us. Put us on that right path. And um, so, you, you know, it's funny because we talked about this company last week, Block Avenue. And Anthony Longo, who is the CEO mm -hmm. or the founder... Uh, reached out and I uh, said, like, you know, I love it. Thank you guys for covering it. Thank you for letting us, uh, you know, occupy a little bit of your airwaves and, and to help promote us. And, and, uh, and uh, you know, I, I love receiving that kind of email, whether it's good or bad. You know, we're doing it with the right intent. But uh, Anthony, if you're listening to this, thank you for reaching out, man. We have talked by email, but I wanted to thank you publicly. I love when companies reach out to us and talk to us. And you have the same story, don't you? A similar story. Yeah, absolutely. And also from 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 me, thanks Anthony for for doing that. We really appreciate it. Uh, yeah, I spoke to uh, Sarah Hughes, who's uh, part of the husband wife co founder team of Fizz uh, out of the UK, out of London, that we covered on the show a few weeks back. Um, we weren't necessarily so complimentary <laughs> about about Fizz as we were with Block Avenue, but. Um, you know, the nice thing is, is they, they, they reacted to us, they reached out to us, and that led to a longer conversation that I had with Sarah uh, earlier this week and uh, actually got, you know, a bit more insight into where they're going with this. Uh, and it's not just a, another social discovery location consumer app, um, you know, as, as we might have thought. Uh, you know, they're kind of using that as a testing ground to gather some data, which really leads to a, more of a B2B um, a play that they're going after in terms of licensing the, the data um, and, and the voting system in particular, which is key to them. So it, it's about, you know, powering the, the public to, you know, vote on, on places and, and provide rankings, kind of like a, almost like a Yelp, but very focused on on the travel industry in a B2B context and kind of licensing the, the platform to, you know, other travel uh, industry uh, players and partners. So, uh, best of luck on that, guys. We, we uh, you know, we'd love to have you on the long form on, on Tether. I'm sure, uh, as as we talked about, Rob, we'll we'll, uh, we'll make that happen. So, uh, yeah. So, thanks to Fizz, thanks to Block yep. Avenue, and everybody else who's out there listening. Uh, you know, we want to hear about it. And if we cover you on the show today, you know, and you have something to say, tell us about. Please it. write us. That's always what we want to do. And again, yeah. you can always go to, if you don't want to just reach out by email, if you want to give us a, a, a real lashing, a tongue lashing, we will play your message, which you can get to at untether.tv forward slash talk. We will play your message in its entirety. We will not censor it out. So if you have something to say to us, say it. If you got drunk one night, you feel like you want a drunk, call us. Whatever. Let's do it. Bring it. All right. All right. Let's, um, let's jump right into the stories today, uh, Seif. Uh, we've, we've got a lot to cover. Uh, we don't want to uh, draw this out any longer. We've got some stories about uh, Yahoo. We've got uh, certainly a really interesting um, ge geographic-based hate map, literally a hate map. Uh, a company called Four Winds, a story there. Big news from Alibaba um, and some other really interesting stories. Even Nestle, um, uh, Nespresso Boutique Shops uh, leveraging RFID and... Uh, and I'm not even going to mention uh, the, the most amazing story, just like last week um, with the microloans. This is another one of these stories that is uh, that is unique 
and uh, and is, is very cool technology applied to it. So let's talk about Yahoo and their desperate need to spend money on startups because it's the only way that they can, I see, I think it's the only way that they can acquire talent or get people to, to actually work for the company is to, is to let them build a little company and then acquire the team. And that's what they've done here. Uh, and I think this is their third acquisition in a week. And this one is called Loki Studios, which is a, um, a location-based mobile game company. And they've had, they have a couple of games out there, but their, their most popular one is essentially creating a location-based game out of Pokemon, uh, the equivalent to Pokemon. Mm -hmm. And um, I mean, I took a look at this video. I, you know, that's not a game that I would ever play. My kids are right into Pokemon. Um, but uh, like, it seems to me that it's very suited for the Dungeons and Dragons crowd uh, from the old days. This is, this, but they bought them and it's very clear that this was an aqua hire. Oh, completely, and and uh, you know this is obviously in a long list of of aqua hires of late from uh, Marissa Mayer and company. So, you know, I think the message in this story is if you've ever had a cup of coffee with Marissa Mayer, now's the time to call her and get her get her write a check because apparently that's what she does. Or it's, she just goes out and like it buys companies you know that her friends are running you know from the last few years because because that's what this is. This is you know just another one of those. Uh, yeah. You know, I guess this is the only way to get talent. It has to be. Yahoo. It has to be. That's their strategy, right? Because, um, you know, they seem to they, they acquire them. They shut them yeah. down. You know, and, and this, I mean, Geomon, the game that you're talking about, the Pokemon-based game, was a solid game. I mean, if you're into that kind of right. stuff, right? Uh, I mean, they were doing, as a, as a gaming studio, they were doing quite well. And, and the location focus is really interesting to, to what they were doing. I mean, it's... You know, it's games that factor in, you know, where you are and the time of day and the temperature yep. and a whole bunch of other, you know, stuff all coming in to kind of drive, you know, what the game experience is like. I love that. I think that's a great way to do gaming. Um, it's too bad it's not going to live on. Well, you know, but I, I think that if you if you went out with Marissa Meyer and you only got a cup of coffee, if she only paid for your coffee, you got screwed, right? I think that's the, that's the problem here is that... She has she has bought so many companies and and I think it's it's the only way that they're going to get people to come on right is that they pay a premium for for the company and they said that yes they, they're coming on the, the entire team is coming on to um, all eight all eight people are moving into to Yahoo and they're not even going to be in games they're not going to be doing anything to do with location based games so um, yeah this is this is the only way that uh, now she's setting herself up for a, for a really precipitous fall. So she probably she has whatever the terms are of, of deals like this. We don't know what they are, but they're locked in for a certain amount of time, a year, two years, three years, whatever. At the end, uh, she has that limited time. So all the acquisitions she's done this year, she probably has between two and three years to write Yahoo and make it a place that people want to stay. Or when those golden handcuffs come off, Right or two thirds of the vesting period happens, uh, she is going to lose a ton of people, a ton of talent, because she's going to have millionaires ultimately, probably, or hundred thousand heirs uh, that are going to want to go out and start their own company, and they're going to realize that a year inside of Yahoo well, is not. They're worth all it. coming from having done their yeah. own company, so that that's not foreign to them, right? Like, oh, it's 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 time like <laughs> so, a limited time frame for Marissa to do this right, and I think it's a very risky, risky, risky uh, uh, endeavor. That she's that she's moved on, but uh, you're right. If you have anything to do with mobile or anything to do with pretty much breathing, yeah, call her. She's paying money for breathers. Well, I like I it. You too. There you and, go. And did I mention that untethered untethered.tv is hey, for sale? We're, we're both still breathing. <laughs> exactly. <It's> like, <sighs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right. So uh, barely, but you know, Yahoo bought Loki Studios. If you're interested in listening to that, you know, I love this. The you know the the form letter that comes up when a company is bought by another company. But if you go, you can go to Loki Studios, L O K I Studios dot com, and you can read their letter if you're so inclined to read a letter from eight millionaires. I wonder if she could buy a few players off the Leafs roster. She could, yes, or coach. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Anyhow, Anyhow yeah. the Yahoo Maple Leafs. That would that'd be okay from playing from the Yahoo Center, mm -hmm. not the Air Canada. Yeah. All right, our second yeah. story. This is cool. Let's see. This is a pretty uh, controversial story, um, but pretty cool. Talk yeah. about this. So, um, so <laughs> this is a this is all about data, and, and you and I are you know huge fans around you know the the use of data and and all that it can provide you. And so what what this is is a, a group of students. Uh, university ge geography academic types um, created a map called the geography of hate and effectively what they did was is they took a whole bunch of Twitter data 
uh, from across the, you know geotag Twitter data from across North America between June 2012 and April of this year. And they analyzed every, all of these tweets and they looked for certain keywords that uh, you know could have a connotation of hate associated with them, you know, or racism uh, associated with them. And in some cases, they, you know, some of the keywords could be seen in a positive way, and so they, they counted for that as well. They analyzed each one of these things individually, 150,000 tweets, and then they plotted them across the U.S. based on where they came from and provided this graphic, this, uh, this geographic, if you will, of the sort of the expanse of what, you know, the conversation of hate, if you will, looks like across the U.S., based on geography and based on Twitter uh, messages. Phenomenal, phenomenal stuff, uh, controversial stuff, but uh, you know, this, this is a really interesting thing to, to look at what we can do with this data. In you know, this is just one fantastic application of it, but what we can do with data and how we can start to look at patterns and you know, how we can apply you know, changes to the educational system based on this, how we can apply funding uh, you know, from governments based on this. I mean, there's so many different things that you could do based on you know, applying the data in this way. I love yeah, it. It is, a, it is a prime example of, uh, of something that uh, you know, five years ago didn't exist, right? The pulse, the nervous system yeah. of, of the internet is, is really Twitter. And when you analyze that data, the reams of data that comes through this, this is, this is a pretty shocking thing. You know, and, and what, what's shocking to me about it is, is the location of some of these things. This is only 100,000 tweets. And I love it because they, the heat map is an algorithm uh, you know, based on um, a percentage of tweets in that, in that county, right? which, is, yes. which, is, which is key. And, and th this, like, it's shocking. Like, so where you'd think like, the Midwest might be not as open uh, and you'd think that the East might be a little bit more open to a lot of these discussions and the South might be a little bit more closed to these discussions around homo homophobia and uh, racism and, and not so much disability, but homophobia and racism. It, 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 it doesn't really pan out that way. There is some stuff in the South around Florida, but, uh, but for the most part, it's like it's East and, uh, and West is very open. So uh, this, mm -hmm. is a, um, this is a great application of the data. It's a huge amount of effort that the students went into uh, to be able to do this, but it just shows you like the pulse this is Twitter, right? So uh, this is yeah. big data from from Twitter, and uh, and I, I like the I like the fact that they went in there and they did it themselves. They didn't rely on an algorithm. Just search for these terms and and determine whether or not and just show us where those terms are because they, as you said, they have different connotations, um, and they can be used as a uh, in a derogatory way, or some of them can be used in a not so derogatory way. Although some of the racist terms, there's no way that they can't be derogatory at all. Um, but, yeah, and I love the name of the group that put this together, Floating Sheep. Floating Sheep, exactly. Love it. <laughs> so these guys come from uh, Humboldt State University, by the way, just to give them a shout. Well, you know, it's it's like when I told you last week about Block Avenue when I when I looked up Lake Placid and uh, there was uh, you know the first four things I found in there were the four uh, rehabilitated or relocated sex offenders, right? So you know this data is out there and uh, and it's accessible oh. and and it's getting uh, more and more accessible. And and here's a perfect example. So if you're interested in that, I think all you have to do is go to Humboldt.edu. Uh, where should we put a link to this, Asif, so that they can get to uh, uh, I'm going to throw it up on the LBMA okay. site on the re on the research page. Okay. Uh, so, so that's one spot. So the LBMA forward slash, it's just easier than reading out this entire URL. So go to the uh, the LBMA.com forward slash research and you'll find this. It's uh, it's pretty amazing. Or you can just do a search for geography of hate and you will you will uh, you will find this somewhere. Wow. There you go. All right, our third story, Mr. Khan. Yeah, so this comes from a company called Four Winds Interactive, uh, and they basically created a platform for turning any iOS-based device, iPhone, tablet, uh, you know, kiosk, whatever you want, into uh, digital signage. And so, obviously, there's there's nothing crazy unique or you know about this, but you know the fact is is that you know if you're a small business, if you're you know a retailer, if you're you know and you're thinking about how do I bring digital you know interactive digital out of home in, into my into my store into my environment without going and spending thousands and thousands of dollars on giant digital menu boards and, and screens and all that kind of stuff well if I can just take my tablet that I've got sitting here and I can you know have a platform that can help me deliver content to it and turn it into a digital screen that makes sense to me, and and effectively, that's what uh, Four Winds is doing with this with this new app. 
that they've created this this platform. Uh, and and this is a growing space too. I want to point out uh, one one of our members, one of our LBMA members, is is a new company out of New York that's forming now called Adu A D O, and it's exactly uh, the same kind of thing. Where in their case, though, it's a little bit different in that what they've done is they've created a system where people like like students basically walk around the streets of New York with um, uh, like digital sandwich boards, if you will. Okay. And, and so, so they've created this system where they can drive content into these. So you're just walking around with an iPhone <laughs> hanging around your neck on a special, a special device. And it's got ads for local businesses oh. or, or offers for local businesses around you. So it's a, it's a new form of digital marketing. Uh, in this case, it's a mobile one with Adu, and and with Four Winds, it's it, it doesn't matter. It's 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 any platform. So, um, you know, look for more and more of this kind of very uh, location specific digital out of home in a small scale format. You know, in iOS device in this in this context, and a number of emerging players to kind of provide the platforms to drive content to it. So, that's what we're talking about here. Where was I? Uh, you know, that would have been the best job having an iPhone. Like, you know, remember like Flavor Flav with his like his alarm clock around his uh, around his neck. Instead, yeah. of you got an iPhone yeah. or an iPad hanging around your neck as an advertising vehicle. Exactly. That's crazy. Come on. I still I'm still captivated. I, you know, could they do that? You know, the guy who stands on the street corner and flips the signs around and dances with the signs. Could you do that with an iPad? I don't I don't think so. Oh, okay. you know, I mean, not not. It would be expensive. I mean, I still think that um, that iPads are are ex are too expensive for this right now, right? The the technology is is a little bit too expensive. You, you know what I want to see? I had this idea the other day because I was, you know, we we both listen to music and love music, and and um, you know, I, I was I was contemplating the other day as I was thinking about some of the music from my childhood and growing up, you know, in the seventies and eighties, and uh, I was thinking about you know vinyl and you know all the records I used to have and, and, and kind of the reemergence of vinyl. And I was thinking, wouldn't it be really interesting? And here's an idea. If you're, someone's out there listening and you've got the wherewithal to figure this out. So what if you could create digital vinyl versions of albums, right? That, so so you, you download a, a, uh, you know, an album in iTunes, and then there's a digital version of it that can somehow uh, display an image of the vinyl, uh, on your iPad, and then you could put put your iPad on a on a friggin' record uh, player, record record player, and have it play. <laughs> Wouldn't that so be cool? So it's spinning on your iPad, <laughs> it's and then there's like a like yeah. a some kind of some virtual kind of reader. Needle, yeah. needle reader, some kind of virtual reader. Wouldn't that be That'd cool? Be pretty cool. That'd be pretty That'd cool. Be pretty cool, right? But this whole yeah. skeuomorphism that uh, that Apple's known for, right, with the reel to reel on their iPod, uh, their yeah, podcaster, yeah, yeah. and the, the leather bound um, and the torn sheets in their calendar, that's all disappearing now. So th I think you're you're past the time now of skeuomorphism. So digital vinyl, digital vinyl, mm -hmm. slow goods. Um, yeah. Well, if you're interested in Four Winds, just go to four uh, fourwindsinteractive.com and you you can find some information. It's actually available on the App Store. I was showing you some uh, snaps of that. If you want to do that, it's twenty bucks on the App Store, and it's an it's a universal app for iOS and uh, for iOS, so iPhone and uh, and iPad. The iPad thing I think makes sense. The iPhone not so much for me, um, but the iPad. You know, I've seen it. Uh, you know, Shopify here, the a local um, local. A star company, uh, Ottawa-based company, does this as well for all of their um, boardrooms and their their reception desk. They have iPads stuck on the wall, and they you know welcome Rob when you walk in there, and and it, that's just I think a sign of a company that has too much money, quite frankly. Uh, you know, and that's not a bad thing. Yeah. I think that you know when you when you when you're at that point, you know I forgot to mention before we get into Gary, I um I can't believe I forgot to do this. I was going to open up the entire episode with con because I I got a. Uh, an advance. I got to go see an advanced screening of the new Star Trek movie. Um, yes, Descent, I'm you know, very oh excited. I'm seeing it on Tuesday. Holy cow, buddy! It's so great. But now I'm going to have to open every episode with Khan. You know, you got a great name just for this episode. I know. Anyways, well, you mean the the Wrath of Khan was you know. It was this is a uh, it was a, a stellar film, boy oh boy oh boy. If you're yeah. a Star Trek fan, uh, and there were lots of them, and uh, you know, I will uh, right now insert my little uh, Klingon photo because th these these people that you just saw if you're watching this uh, those people were right behind me and we had uh, we had you, you know probably in Ottawa which is a pretty unique thing we had probably about 40 or 50 Klingons uh, that were dressed up full <laughs> on right and, and like even spikes on their shoes it was crazy but um, nice so now nice uh, yeah great name all right see, there so. you go I was listening to the radio on my way I was 
driving up to the airport this morning, and I had the radio on, and they were talking about the movie. And the one of the the radio uh, DJs came on and said, "So, so you know, if you're out for the long, it's a long weekend, by the way, for our American fans. It's a long weekend here in Canada." Um, and they said, "If if you're out this weekend and you're a woman and you're looking for a date." Just go to just go to the Star Trek movie, and you'll find lots of single guys there. The, the problem is, what? most of them are there with their mothers, right? So uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So and I'm like, no, 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 buddy, this is not the advice we should be giving out on radio. Thank no, you. No, no, no. Anyhow, but I, don't right. see that film. It is an absolute. Yeah, it's, it's, it's incredible. It's getting fantastic reviews. Anyway, I didn't mean to. You know, I was going to open up the entire episode with Con, uh, and uh, anyway. All right, so those All are the right. first three stories. We're going to take, a, obviously, our little break here. we got Gary Schwartz coming up. Uh, Asif, I love Gary Schwartz. I don't mind telling anybody. There are a few people that I love. Um, one of them is Bruce Springsteen. Uh, the other one is Gary Schwartz. I love Tommy Ahonen. Uh, so, but Gary is one... They're all rock stars in their they own They are, and, and Gary, man, like... He, if you've not heard of Gary, he's done so much for this industry, uh, whether that's moving, uh, uh, you know, lobbying governments in order to be able to get more um, more clarity around personal information and protecting personal information in the mobile space. Uh, he runs his own company. He was one of the pioneers in SMS and MMS uh, marketing. And uh, now he's doing this this event, the Multiscreen Summit. And uh, he's just, he's everywhere. He's a two-time author. but And you got to sit down with a guy. I'm so jealous. Yeah, well, I mean, he's just you know around the corner from my office. Uh, so you know, w when w when we both happen to be in town for you know a cup of coffee, which is what it seems these days, uh, we do get to catch up. And and, and Gary's also one of our new board members uh, on, on the uh, Location-Based Marketing Association. So we're we're excited about that. So yeah, I did get to sit down with him. We had a great chat about kind of. You know his company, Impact Mobile, uh, the multi-screen summit. Um, you know a, a new product that they've uh, Impact Mobile's recently put into the marketplace called the Digital Shopper Network, which is kind of a uh, uh, an actual piece of hardware that retailers can put in stores and and kind of solve some of the redemption issues. So all of that we got to talk about in you know a very short time frame, but uh, you know a very worthwhile conversation. So here he is, Gary Schwartz. Founder and CEO of Impact Mobile, uh, board member of the LBMA, and all things to all Great people. guy. Well, it's that time of the week again where we get to bring on a special guest. And this week, it's industry veteran and guru, Gary Schwartz, founder and CEO of Impact Mobile. Gary, welcome to this week in location-based marketing. Thanks for having me on, Asif. Yeah. So let's just jump right into it. I think a lot of people know you around the world. Everybody knows who you are. But for the odd one or two few that haven't heard of Gary Schwartz yet, you know, and Impact Mobile, you know, who's Impact Mobile? Uh, well, we're, we're a uh, technology company in the mobile space, been around for 12 years, uh, which is an inordinate amount of time to work with brands and retailers. And what we do is curate that, that journey, that customer journey uh, for the retail and the brand to understand how to... Uh, engage with that customer more fluidly and I guess more importantly drive them through to a transaction or some sort of ongoing uh, affinity engagement. So so we're all about plotting that narrative um, across all your mobile screens and um, you know driving conversion into whatever ROI destination that they have whether that be bricks and mortar or into the cloud. Okay cool. Uh, now one thing I want you to uh, get, get your thoughts on and, and your comments on is uh, you recently uh, uh, published a book called Fast Shopper Slow Store. Uh, first of all, I love the name. The name's great um, because it, it does talk to you know, the way society is. You know, we, we want everything now. We want it, you know, you know, at, at the ready. And and the retail environment's not necessarily up to and it and it's and it speaks to that disconnect that we have that the shopper is now moving at a faster pace than our CMO or CIO can catch up to. And so sure. there's a bit of a disconnect between what we do as a store and what we do as a shopper, which is something that we need to resolve quickly in the you know, next few years. Now, one of the things you talk about in that book and, 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 and often in, in your speeches and stuff is this kind of dating analogy, this relationship uh, between you know, kind of using that metaphor of dating and, and comparing that to mobile. Right. Share your thoughts on that a little bit. Right. Well, actually, the, the last book, Fast Shoppers Close Store, is, 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 you know, I call it a, a guide to courting and capturing the mobile consumer. It's a dating guide. And, and what we've, we've lost touch with as, you know, retailers, marketers, um, is that, that we, we, we fixate on, on the mobile phone or the tablet. <laughs> and, um, and, and we think that because it's so fast, 
and it's such a robust computer inside everybody's uh, pocket that somehow we have to build solutions which are um, commensurate with the speed of this supercomputer. The reality is, is that this device is really no much, not much different from the device that you had 10 years ago. It's a communication device. It, it connects you to people you care about. It allows you to talk to them, text them, and get things done. Retailers and brands have to work out a relationship, a, a, a way of getting into that consumer circle of trust. And if they do that, really the tools that will allow them to engage with mobile consumers, the same tools that they would have used a number of years ago, it's building trust with this device. And, um, and, and so what I keep on going on about is, yes, it's great to have these grandiose plans for mobile, but you have to start with the foundation of trust and relationship building. And that's what I focus on. Uh, in my thought leadership and, and um, on, on the technology front. And I believe that that's the starting point for any healthy brand and retailer who wants to embark on you know, a mobile strategy. And when you look at this kind of uh, movement from you know, one screen to the next screen, you know, this transition of screens, uh, you, you know, I think that's an important thought. And in fact, you, you and I are, are both uh, you know, part of a, an event coming up. Uh, that's right. June 11th and 12th in New York, uh, the, the multi-screen summit. Um, you know, excited about that, excited about that. Very excited. Yeah. I mean, I mean, that really is, connecting screens is really part of that narrative, it's part of that relationship building. You know, it's the digital Velcro that ties those screens together because from a consumer perspective, you know, you're just going about your day. From a brand's perspective, the only way that you can intersect with your consumer, your shopper, is through the screens. And so you have to understand which screens are intersecting with your consumer at what part of the day, what kind of screen, because the screen size is dictates the way the consumer uses it, dictates the content that you put on it. So all of those things are part of the tool set that a brand or retailer needs to um, refine and adapt. And those are the tools that we're going to be discussing in New York uh, you know, uh, in, in June at the Multiscreen Summit. So absolutely, I'll see you there. And, and hopefully, everybody on this, this, this webcast attends. Yeah, absolutely. And so if you're looking for information on that, just check out the, the LBMA website uh, under the events page and you'll see all the details there. So uh, next thing I want, want you to uh, share with us, because you know, you've been at this for a while. Uh, you know, you're one of the uh, guys out there that's talking about mobile and location and, and all of that. So for us, obviously, at the LBMA, location is central to our whole message. You know, how do you see the relevance of location? Well, really, that is the underpinning of, you know, if you had an intervention and you wanted to understand your customer journey and you wanted to intersect with that customer, you have to, and to build that relationship, you have to have relevant targeted messaging and, and contextual messaging. Otherwise, you're not, you, don't, you don't build the, 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 that, 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 that very intimate um, affinity relationship that you require with the mobile consumer. Location is one of the most important variables in that relationship because if I'm if I don't know where you are if I don't know what you're doing then there's no way that I can be relevant to that moment in time if it's a journey I don't want to be talking to you about something that you would be uh, that you would relegate to couch commerce if you're in aisle and I also want to delineate between impulse type um, activity and immersive type activity. I don't want to give you something that, that requires you to sit down and think if you're on the road and you need just to have a blink moment. And so it's, location is a very, very important part of understanding your consumer journey. And I would say in many cases it is the pivotal variable in that. Okay, last question for you. Uh, so when we look at mobile and uh, couponing and loyalty and all that kind of sort of the hot button issues right now for mm -hmm. retailers, and we think about Foursquare and Groupon, it's right. relatively easy to push a coupon to a mobile device, right? Uh, it's not that hard to do. Where it falls apart is around redemption. And you know, oftentimes it can be as simple as frontline staff hasn't been trained properly on what to do when somebody shows right. up and says, hey, look, I you know, save 50% mm -hmm. today. Right. Um, you know, or they just can't scan the barcode, period. So. You guys at Impact have a uh, kind of a, a new uh, approach to that uh, right. digital shopper network. Share share your thoughts around that for a second. Right. Well, I mean, you're absolutely right. Uh, if you can't close the loop, that 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 conversation is not even worth opening. Because if you just if you're just going to be broadcasting something out that has no closure, you're not you're not doing anything to advance your relationship with the customer. So uh, we're doing a lot of things around uh, what we call a digital shop shop. Uh, 
shopper network, which enables the in-between space between bricks and mortar and the cloud to engage the customer in malls, in airports, in dwell locations. One thing I wanted to show you, which is part of that, is this little device over here, which is something that we've developed, which is essentially, um, it's a unit that you can put in NCAP. It's essentially a freestanding POS. And you can uh, go up and program this to do anything, whether, whether it's a QSR or, um, you know, some sort of engagement for a brand. But, you know, I can do things on, on, on this screen, uh, which enable me to, uh, to, to print out, uh, you know, coupons, uh, it's what I call analog engagement, sorry, where's the, the camera? Analog engagement over here. It also allows for NFC, uh, uh, obviously here's a QR code reader. It allows me to do a swipe uh, for a mag swipe data entry. And literally this becomes a way of driving um, content out uh, to the consumer so they can take this to any POS and redeem it. It's paper, it's easy to redeem it at POS. Um, it also allows me to come back into the store, scan my phone, and get bespoke targeted uh, content out. So now, essentially, what we're doing is we're alleviating all the pain at POS. You can put one of these units into any huge store and create that as a, uh, a coupon depot for the mobile consumer. You can send them stuff when they're out and about in those moments and drive them through door swing into an ROI destination, you can also use that in the store to engage them with targeted, you know, couponing and 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 bridge type activity as an end cap. So these are this is just one of the solutions that we're uh, leveraging to build um, these non-traditional touch points. And uh, this is a very mobile consumer because I'm, I'm getting a phone call. There we go. Um, so yeah, so so it, it, lots of fun things happening, and it's about closing that loop, starting a relationship consummating the relationship and getting on the uh, the wedding ring that was my wife <laughs> absolutely so well thank you so much for sharing uh, again for our audience we've been sitting down today with gary schwartz founder and ceo of impact mobile gary thank you so much uh, for coming on the show thanks asif i look forward to being here again soon so uh, thanks again to Gary for uh, for coming on the show and sharing with us. Always uh, a fantastic conversation. Just a just a great guy. So uh, thanks Gary for that. We really appreciate it, and we look forward to our next encounter with you. Gary Gary Schwartz, folks, thank you. Yes, Gary, and please support the Multi Screen Summit in New York uh, in June, uh, June eleventh and twelfth. All right, let's jump back into the stories. You know, have you heard of this big company? This company that uh, is 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 uh, you know, it's an e-commerce platform for small businesses uh, in Asia. It's it's a company called Alibaba. You've heard of these companies? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. You know, once or small twice. Small company. In fact, this is a company that that uh, by all intents and purposes is going to uh, go public uh, this year at the same valuation or greater than Facebook did in North America last year. Over a hundred billion dollars is what they're estimating, and they have just put in what two hundred and sixty-eight million dollars invested in to uh, to this company called Autonavi. And it goes along with our um, our conversation over the last couple of episodes around the importance of these the bread and butter, the data guys, the mapping guys, the companies like Waze, the companies like Google Maps, the companies that, you know, why it's so important that Apple has a, a solid product, uh, why Nokia is right in the middle of this, and why Microsoft is right in the middle of this. Um, these mapping products, we're not talking about anything like services on top of it, but the mapping products are so important. And obviously Alibaba, uh, you know, uh, has the equivalent to Twitter in China, and now has the equivalent to uh, Google Maps with uh, with the Autonavi, and they're building themselves into a powerhouse, a global platform as a result of this. And uh, you know, this is a small investment. They took a 28% stake for 284, 294 million dollars in Autonavi. Yeah. Big, big, big investment. Huge investment, uh, and I like this investment a lot because it, it's what you see here is not just you know another big mapping company buying you know one of its competitors. What you see here is a big retail juggernaut, if you will, e-commerce uh, retail juggernaut, uh, acquiring an interest in a mapping company that's going to drive huge uh, you know uh, joint business models around you know, points of interest and all that kind of stuff coming from the mapping environment uh, with Autonavi and, and how that connects to the retail and, and product offerings that, you know, Alibaba's already got from all the people that they work with. So, you know, this this is a very nice fit. I, you know, I, 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 you know, full kudos to them. This is not an acqui-hire. This is not Yahoo, you know, just buying something up and rolling it in. This is actual, you know, two companies working together 
in, in a very sensible way, um, you know, with, with some ownership uh, stake involved in it. If you're interested, you can go to Alibaba.com, you can go to Autonavi.com um, and uh, check out that if, uh, if at all interested, just to say this is a big, big, big battle that's brewing. We've been talking about this for a long time. We have that. And then we haven't heard anything so. about Waze yet. Uh, you know, uh, Waze is no. denying. Uh, they say that this is stumbling. This deal is not imminent. Um, and I think oh, they're just trying to raise the price. Uh, well, it is a it is a uh, it is a battle. And you know what? We've heard different opinions about that. That it's good, it's bad. As always, you'll hear those. But uh, you, there's no denying that somebody will buy that company. Uh, certainly. Yeah, absolutely. All right. So Alibaba invests two hundred ninety-four million dollars into Auto Navi. How about a good story? How about a, uh, a very interesting story, Asif? Uh, yeah. This is from Spain, right? This is from Spain. Yeah. So this is a group called the ANAR, A-N-A-R Foundation. Uh, my Spanish is terrible, but I'm going to try and work this one out. So it's it's an acronym. It stands for Ayuda a Ninos uh, y Adolescente on Risco, so, which stands for Help for Children and Adolescents at Risk. Uh, so this is what NR is. Um, uh, so so it's a uh, obviously a charitable foundation, uh, and they've released a series of uh, of ads um, that uh, take the form of you know regular out of home kind of transit shelter you know side of a bus shelter type of ad uh, billboard if you will. Um, but there's something unique about this, and because this is about child abuse um, and, and kind of trying to bring light to the issue of child abuse. They used a very interesting type of printing technology called lenticular uh, printing or, or uh, lenticular lens so that when you approach one of these ads, uh, basically if you're an adult, uh, based on your height, you know, you're obviously typically taller than a small child, um, you, you, see, you see a certain ad display. And this is just print, by the way. There's nothing digital about this. Just visually, at the angle that your eyes as an adult typically can view the, the ad, you see a certain um, you know, advertisement there with, with a certain message for you as an adult bringing uh, information to you about the, you know, the, the cause of, of child abuse. But if you're the child that happens to be approaching this ad, and maybe you're with the parent or your abuser or what have you, um, because you're 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 approaching, you know, your visibility from your eye level is coming at it from a, a lower a lower angle. Um, you basically see a whole different ad with with basically a child who's been abused uh, on the ad and um, and telling you what to do as a child to to you know how how you can deal with this and who you should call and all that kind of stuff. And and I think this is just phenomenal marketing. Obviously, very location specific, um, like any billboard or out of home ad. But uh, just a ph phenomenal use of you know printing technology to kind of you know bring two different messages to two different audiences uh, all at the same time. It, it is it is so well done, and um, I'm going to play a little bit of a clip of a video here just to kind of give a demonstration of what what Asif was talking about. So we'll come back on the flip and talk about it. And our foundation manages an anonymous and confidential telephone line to attend children and teenagers under a risk situation. As a result of International Day Against Child Abuse, we launch a message for those once suffering any kind of abuse. A message exclusively for them, hidden from adults' eyes. The outdoor uses a lenticular to assemble two images, the one aimed at adults and the other aimed at children. The lenticular allows you to see one image from one angle and a different image from another angle. From the average height by age, we can determine what part of each image will be seen by each person. In this way, we find an area only visible by children under 10. A message only for children. And a warning for adults. Yeah, you see, it, it, it's so so very well done. Uh, it, it, applying this kind of printing technology in this way is is very effective. You know, I, I wonder how they how they place these uh, these ads. Um, you know, do they do they look at uh, socioeconomic status? Do they look at the likelihood? I mean, do they balance the likelihood of abuse in in a certain neighborhood 
or a certain uh, level of education or a certain level of income? And do they place that in, in those areas, um, uh, you know, prominently? Or, or is it just a, a random shot um, where they put it anywhere? Mm -hmm. You know, it, it's just like there's so much that you can do with location data, like the data itself, to be able to make sure that these hit home, that there are nine places that this should be and they're in those nine yeah. places. And I think that it's just such an effective way to do it. Um, yeah, I mean, how do you take data, like, for example, from Block Avenue, right. if you will, or, or anybody like yeah. that, and, and combine it with the placement of an ad like this, right? It becomes really interesting. But even, so, even, if, you, even if you take, like, our uh, Geography of Hate uh, story, yeah. right, and, you, yeah. and you, you, you turn that around, and, you, and uh, what you're trying to do is change behavior and, and educate, right? So that, you know, wherever those hot, those hot the heat maps are red, glowing red, um, you, you, I don't know, like maybe the parents are long gone, right? Maybe the parents have got that set in their mind that they're never going to change. And, you, you know, it would be very difficult to change. You know what it is? You know what it is? Those parents never saw the story that we did on on the Smart PJ. Right, exactly. That's, that, they that, never that, that's what it is, kids. right? <laughs> yes, right. <laughs> but, but you see, like parents... I'm kidding. Yeah, I'm kidding. but parents pass it down. And you see this all the time. And, and if you've ever watched 42, the uh, Jackie Robinson story, it's 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 exactly that. And, and you know, I'm sure we've all seen this. And... and uh, and so the parents may be long gone and they, maybe they're not going to change as easily, but those kids. So why not take that, that geography of hate, use this kind of uh, lenticular printing um, and, and do billboards like this in places yeah. where you can affect, uh, change people's minds about, uh, about uh, racism and homophobia. And, and I think that totally. this, this would be pretty cool if you could do that, not just about abuse. It's very important about abuse and about abuse of children, but there's so many more applications that you could do and you've got to start educating at the kids level. And it's it's weird. Oh, it's not weird. It's 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 interesting because I I in an upcoming episode I just filmed this yesterday. In fact, um, I sat down with Class Dojo Sam Chowdhury from Class Dojo to talk about how he's influencing in the classroom children's behaviors through uh, you know through reward. And Class Dojo has you know millions of teachers around the world uh, using this or in North America or using this technology. And it's along the same lines is that you've got to, you've got to, if you want to instill a change in behavior, you've got to be able to do this at the, at the child level um, to, to make sure that it's ingrained in them. So very cool. Uh, I love this. I love what they're doing. And our, it's very, very great use of technology, simple technology. So, yeah, by the way, and, and our, if you happen to be listening, uh, may, what is it? 28th, 29th, something like that. Um, uh, End of May? End of May. Uh, I'm going to be in Spain, in Madrid. So if you happen to be around for the Solo Mo Summit, we'd love to uh, love you to come out. We'd love to meet with you in person. Uh, be a great opportunity. So anyhow, just quick shout out Very there. Very cool. Congratulations on that. I mean, I, I think that that's a, uh, it's a good cause and it's a good use of technology. And I love that. Just like the microloan uh, story that we had last week when where they're just, they're just um, it's inspiring to see this kind of uh, the way that they're using this. You know, it, um, uh, it, it is it is very well done. So Anar, um, very cool. All right, now let's see if we can ask our, our last story here is that man. I thought I thought RFID was dead. I th like I thought that QR codes have made that obsolete and it was too expensive to to uh, to get RFID tags on everything. And uh, I'm completely being sarcastic here, but that's that's really what you would think. Like. 10 years ago, RFID was going to be the future of inventory management mm -hmm. and payments, and and, uh, and it's going to eradicate shoplifting, and, uh, you know, you can be able to... Well, you had Walmart buying RFID companies, oh, yeah. you had all kinds of crazy stuff going you on. Know, but... auto, auto checkout, and then, so 10 years later, you've got this, um, this little Nestle Nespresso boutique in Munich testing RFID as a, as a way to uh, uh, speed up the payment process for, for goods mm -hmm. shopping. Like, this is what I thought it well, was going to do. Yeah, and I think to some extent, two issues kind of slowed down that adoption, right? I think on the one front, what you had is retail at the time was doing really well, <laughs> especially in North America, right? And, and, so the cost and was you, not... You had, yeah. Yeah. yeah, you didn't have all the showrooming issues that Best Buy is facing today. You didn't have all that kind of stuff going on. You know, the retail environment was, was pretty good. But now, now you're in situations where, you know, we're, we're moving to smaller format store. We're moving to, you know trying to speed up, you know, the, the, the flow of people in, in and out of stores, you know, line busting, queue busting, whatever you want to call it. Um, and, and so the need for, you know, this idea of self-checkout, you know, and, and, and expediting the checkout process becomes even more paramount. Yeah. And so RFID, you know, rears its head again. Um, and in this case, you know, here's, here's a real example of this. Uh, so they're, they're using um, technology from a French company called IER to do this. 
Uh, and as you said, it's it's a Nespresso boutique. It's in Munich uh, where they're doing this. And so, effectively, you you know your products all have RFID tags in them. You put them in the basket. You show up at the thing. It scans all the items automatically from an RFID uh, perspective. Um, and you can even pay with NFC built into this. So it's both NFC and R and RFID coming together. It's the greatest thing to ever. Facilitate a checkout and payment all at once. I, I like this, and you know, I think that uh, you know RFID is worth the cost just around uh, removing, reducing, and eliminating shoplifting, right? Because uh, mm -hmm. what happens when you actually scan or you put your product in this? Basically, you put it in a bag, you put the product down in this uh, little uh, enclave or this little spot where you put your product or your bag, and it uh, it automatically scans it. Like you don't have to take them out, you don't have to scan it. It just it's an RFID tag, right? So. Uh, and then it disables the RFID tag, and you you can walk out. Yes. So you know, I always thought of RFID as the as the 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 ultimate way to kill shoplifting. Simply, uh, but but the cost sure. the cost of the RFID tags at the time were too expensive, right? Especially in retail. And and now you're starting to talk about all those self checkout kiosks in in grocery stores that we see everywhere. Mm -hmm. And and Home Home Depot's got them oh, everywhere. Yeah. I mean, they're, and yeah, they're, they're terrible. So. The t like. Scanning that and paying, and it's slower than molasses. And there's always that person in front of you that's like pulling out their change purse again, and it's like no, 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 just just like come on, go, you get so yeah. frustrated. So w when you start to think about the implication of this, is that it's going to reduce the uh, the workforce, uh, the cost of uh, labor. It's going to also reduce shoplifting. A NFC uh, NFC can can do this, but RFID is is ultimately. The uh, you know the, the the ultimate technology to be able to do this. I like and I like the combination yeah. of the two yeah. there, right? I like the NFC for payment and the RFID but, but for payment is you know streaming. payment is always it, it, you know speeding up payment is important, right? The actual transaction piece of it is mm -hmm. very important, but but it's the checkout that is the pain, right? So that, without yeah. doubt, without doubt. So good combination. One, yeah. I like that for sure. Very cool. So check that out, uh, Nestle Nespresso Boutique in Munich, Germany. Uh, it's very 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 cool. Well, those are our six stores. I don't think we we raked anybody over the coal except for Yahoo, maybe. Um, no, no Foursquare digs, no no small company digs, no no nothing. Oh. So I think that that was a very successful episode. I didn't go into a rant. It was, <laughs> I like it. Nobody's nobody's going to call complaining. This nobody's going to get angry with us. Um, we still have our resource, but I mean, come on, that's I mean that's a cool resource of the week. If you have any comments on those six stories, please, we'd love to hear from you. And if you have any stories that you'd like us to actually use. In a upcoming episode, reach out Robin on tether.tv or safe at the lbma.com. All right, on to our resource of the week, our final segment here Google Glass, the future of Google Glass. Uh, why don't I roll just a minute of this and we'll, yeah, yeah, and we'll come back to this and have this uh, conversation about, uh, about this resource? So here is the future of Google Glass. Dun dun dun. Okay, class. Reply. Sounds good. I'll see you at two. And Americano, please. Pay with debit. Thanks. Okay, class. Scan now. Okay, Glass. Scan now. Preview. Okay, Glass. Add to cart. I haven't used Google Glass yet. Have you, Essie? Uh, I've held it. I put it on once, but I haven't really had a chance to uh, to do much with it. So. Yeah, you know, it's. Um, I, I look at it, and I think that you know, there's. When I was at uh, Strictly Mobile a couple of weeks ago in San Francisco. I got to sit down and uh, interview guys like uh, you know Sal Khan and uh, and uh, uh, Keller Renato from Remotive and uh, and a bunch of other people as well. And and uh, I, I asked the question like, what's getting them excited about what is going on other than their businesses that they're currently in? Like Sal is obviously doing the uh, Khan Academy and and Keller is uh, Remotive, which is uh, does you know a, a home robot called Romo. Um, and both of them. <laughs> Both of them said, uh, in fact, all the guys that I interviewed either said uh, Elon Musk and what he's doing, 
or uh, Google Glass. They're very, very, very inspired by what's going on with Google Glass. And obviously that, that video that you saw a segment of is inspired by what's going on with Google Glass. And and uh, I, I just can't get over the form factor. I will never wear a dumbass yeah. looking you know, pair of glasses like that. Like I look at yeah. Robert Scoble and he's the biggest, like he loves it, but he looks like a freaking idiot, right? Yeah, it's, it, yeah, I mean. The form factor's not right. The form factor is not right. I mean, it's going to move into contacts. It's going to move into the windshield of your car. It's going to move into, you know, a number of other places, right? But Multi-screen, um, baby. Yeah, multi-screen summit. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, um, but yeah, I mean, you know, this, this little video that you just showed, it, it's, uh, it's, cool. it, it's a nice way to kind of think about what's possible with, uh, you, you know, having that data. Uh, the combination of that data and the visual representation of that data, you know, all kind of pulled together in, in, in a very kind of Google Now, Apple Passbook kind of way in a visual display unit, right? Yep. I mean, that's what we're talking about here, right? So um, I think there's a huge potential here with, with Google Goggles and, and Google Glass and how all those things kind of come together. Uh, and hopefully it's not, uh, you know, like Google's been doing lately with a lot of their stuff, they don't limit it only to the Android platform. Yeah, I, and I think that they're 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 obviously branching out on that, and we we talked about their implementation of Google Now on iOS. It's lacking. Um, I mean, they have to put the a concerted effort into both platforms. Uh, you know, it, it certainly yeah. is, is. And in some respects, you know, uh, I, I hope. I, I mean, for for me, this is like the way I think about Google Glass and its potential. You know, and and especially if they open it up to multi OS, multi platform, I, I think there's there's lots going on there. The is the same way a few years ago I, I was thinking about what was the potential for Microsoft Connect, mm -hmm. right? That same kind of movement gesture type of technology, if you open that thing up to anybody can use it and bake it into anything, um, you know, the impact that would have on the world today. Now think about Connect with Google Glass, yeah. right? And, and ro you roll those things together. And all of a sudden, you have amazing stuff, right? Like, it's just... Yeah. We started to see that with Connect. I mean, Whirly uh, from Chaotic Moon used a, yeah. a, a Connect uh, attached to a Windows uh, tablet and uh, and powered a, um, you know, a longboard, a motorized longboard with it. And then he actually did totally, it right? with his hands, and then they also did it with his brain. Um, yeah. He had to one-up himself. But you're right. Like, you, you know, there is, there's a heads-up display. I mean, I think that that's what, I mean, Keller and these guys got very excited about heads-up display. Now, what is, we, we talked about that at the very beginning around the multi-screen summit. And I think that it's, I look at them as dashboards. I have my office dashboard, which is the screen I'm looking mm -hmm. at right now. I have my kitchen dashboard, my car dashboard, my home entertainment dashboard, my, my bedroom dashboard, whatever it might be. And I think that there, there's there's room in there for this heads-up display piece. And I think that part of what you saw in the video, um, that stuff will be ubiquitous, right? It'll be dumb glass everywhere. Every mirror, every piece yeah. of glass that you see will be able to do this heads-up display. I just don't believe that I'm going to take these glasses or put something over these yeah. glasses and have this ridiculous camera. Uh, you know, oh, you know, I'm not yeah. I'm not worried about invasion of privacy or anything like that. I'm just worried that I, I look like a complete moron. I, I'm hey, right. I, I'm completely in agreement with the form factor with with you. Uh, I'm not a stock market guy, but that's why you know if anybody asks me what stock to, to buy, I only have one answer, yeah. and it hasn't changed for the last number of years. It's called Corning. Corning, exactly. Yes. Corning. They will own the world, people. Yeah, they will. Corning. Corning. So if uh, if you're interested in that, it's it's a really cool. I mean, that video. It's uh, two and a half minutes. You can go and watch the whole thing. Uh, you can just do a, a search for uh, future of Google Glass. Uh, I found it on Mashable. So if you uh, if you head to Mashable.com, I'm sure you'll find it there, and you can watch the whole thing. It's done by a Toronto-based company, and uh, it's it's a cool visionary. It's like Bill Gates. The road ahead is when he did this little video about. Um, mm -hmm. He actually came in a DVD in the back, or a CD in the back of the book in the in the late 90s around his vision of the future and. Uh, and you know, very much inspired by Gene Roddenberry, and I think that, uh, and and the Star Trek crowd, and I think that that's what we're looking at here. The uh, Jordy LaForge uh, visor is exactly what we're looking there you at. Go. So um, that's it. That's our resource of the week, and that's it for the show. We have uh, killed uh, six stories. Uh, we've uh, had a great episode uh, interview with uh, Gary Schwartz, and of course, the resource, the future of of Google Glass as a speculation. And um, I don't have anything else to say. Do you have a seat? No, I'm good. Well then, we bid you adieu, but before we do, listen, head over, if you like this uh, ep episode, if you like to listen to this kind of stuff, uh, there are two ways to get it. One is you can wait 
You can sign up for an email and you can wait till it is delivered in your inbox and then you can go and watch it on the uh, on the website, either the LBMA.com or you can watch it on Untether.tv or you can subscribe to it through your favorite podcasting tool, audio and video uh, or uh, audio or video. And you can download those. We, they usually come out much faster on those. You'll get them ahead of the time. They'll be smarter than the person next to you who's just sitting there watching it on the screen. So we implore you to, to go and uh, sign up through your uh, favorite podcasting software. And while you're there, you know, there's these little stars, right? There's like one to five stars typically, and five is good and one is terrible. Uh, we like to lean to the right a little bit to the five star. If you could just give us a rating and actually a review. We will read the review here. We will love you forever and ever and ever. And if I ever see you in person, I will give you the biggest bear hug on the planet. So we'll see if, if you just give us a good review and actually write some kind words uh, on that review. We would very much appreciate it. It's our currency. That currency helps us keep going and keep doing this and bringing you the news each and every week for 130 consecutive weeks. Vacation, illness, floods, <laughs> toilets exploding, earthquakes today man and we are still doing yeah. this so the least you could do is go off and give us a good review um and i'm not begging yeah. i'm pleading yeah no we would totally appreciate it and we love the feedback uh and by the way if, if if you're a big fan of the show uh if you're a super fan of the show um and you you want to leverage the platform we're open to sponsorship as well so uh feel free to contact us about that we'd be happy to uh promote your services via the show as, as a platform so uh talk to us about that as yes. well yes my mother Asif's mother and the three other people need what you're selling. Well, maybe a little bit more than three. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little bit more. All right, Asif, we will see you next week for episode number 131. Have a safe week. And everybody out there who's listening, whatever you're doing and wherever you are, we really appreciate you tuning in each and every week. We'll see you next time for This Week in Location-Based Marketing. Have a safe week, everybody.